Hello, and welcome back to Toast and Jam. This is your second episode. My name is Jessica Ergens. I am your host, and I'm sitting here with Gina Pierce. Now, Gina is a bariatric dietitian, something that I know very little about, so I thought it would be interesting to get her in my office today and teach us what bariatric nutrition is all about, and you know, if we come across these types of patients, what in the world we do with them. So, Gina, I know you've been a dietitian for 15 years. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Thanks for having me. Um, I went to school um, at the University of Oklahoma, and a few years into my adult college career, I had to make a choice <laughs> and came into nutrition, and I loved it. And so, once I kind of dove into that, I just I, I wanted to know more and more and more. Went ahead, went ahead and got my master's degree. If I could have possibly with time got my PhD, I would have, but you know, life had other plans. It kind of led me back to um, my home state, and I quickly got a job um, working um, in a fitness center comboed with a cardiac rehab position, which was a perfect fit for me, and I loved it. Um, throughout the years, say over probably 12 years, I was requested or basically told I was going to be doing bariatrics and you know I kind of made this I rolled my eyes and I was like okay <laughs> um, but I did it and once I got into it and, and kind of taught myself basically as a startup uh, program that we had I loved it so that's kind of how I found my way to bariatrics. So I mean I feel silly kind of asking this question and I don't know I mean our listeners might be in the same boat I don't know a whole lot about bariatric nutrition so I mean just Let's start with the basics. Mm -hmm. So what is bariatric nutrition? There are are a handful of procedures um, that we basically call bariatrics. And and the gold standard, the one you hear most often, is um, the gastric bypass. I think basically that one's been around the longest. um, And really it's the most trusted because it has been studied, researched, followed, um, and we, we really have honed that procedure. Uh, but there's really um, a handful of other things that can go with it. Basically, um, we, we get rapid weight loss results within basically 12 to 18 months of a procedure um, that is basically life-altering. This would be almost impossible for people to achieve any other way. Let's kind of just get an idea of the different procedures <clears throat> so we yes. can understand what those are. I remember learning about them in school, but yeah, I definitely need a refresher. Yes. So let's say the, the least invasive um, procedure and not covered by insurance typically oh, okay. is called a balloon. A balloon, okay. And so it's basically um, a balloon inserted and inflated in your stomach. It takes up space so that you feel full. Um, and this is a short-term basis, like six months. And so maybe 30 to 50 pounds somebody could lose, but hopefully establish those lifestyle habits that once it's removed, they can maintain. Okay. So basic question. Stop Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. How, I mean, how is it put in? I know these are really simple, but I'm just trying to imagine the procedure. Yeah, basically endoscopy. So it's really quick in the office. Um, Same thing for removal. Okay. Um, Pretty painless. Mm -hmm. And again, um, a lot of times... Just feeling full is what patients are right, needing. Right. Um, so this has shown great results. Um, again, for small volumes of weight to be lost. Okay. And you said it's not covered by insurance. So what is the right. average cost? Um, let me just ballpark probably five thousand dollars. Okay. okay. So 
kind of like um, a boob job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really have to want those 30 to 50 pounds off. Right. Of okay. So, um, and with that, are there pre qualifications or can anybody go get this done? Basically any good doctor is going to screen you to make sure you're right. appropriate. But yeah, there's no qualifications basically except okay. for you're needing, you know, a short term weight loss. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the next basically is the sleeve, which a lot of people have heard of lately. It's gained popularity maybe the past 10 years. And I want to say that this is the most simplistic surgery. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's grown so rapidly because Mm -hmm. most surgeons can perform this pretty pretty easily without lots and lots of training. Um, And this will take your stomach from, say, the size of a football to about the size of a banana. Oh, wow. But you're not rerouting any of the intestines. So there's no malabsorption issues, no disturbance of the way you're absorbing anything. Okay. So how do, I mean, how do they do that? They're just... Right. Most of it is um, laparoscopic. Okay. And the one thing that a lot of patients, I think, don't understand about this procedure is the part of the stomach that is stapled off is removed. Oh, okay. Um, so the idea that it's no longer there sometimes scares them. It's a, they mm-hmm. feel like it's a little more invasive than maybe they thought. There's no going back. Right. Yeah. It's gone. Wow. So, uh, but again, you'll have really good um, weight loss, maybe not as much with the bypass or the switch procedure, which we'll talk about. Um, And the possibility to regain with this is a little bit higher. So you've really got to be dedicated to the lifestyle. Is that just because the stomach that is left can stretch? Mm -hmm. Any stomach can stretch. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if you don't respect that space, Mm -hmm. it will will be able to stretch. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, you're not having any, any malabsorption. So every calorie you eat will still be absorbed. Right. Right. But good thing for like vitamins and minerals. And Absolutely. Because like I know that's a common thing. Absolutely. Okay. So that is the sleeve you said, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so then the next we mentioned earlier was the gastric bypass. And this has been around the longest and really studied the longest. So that's where we can get really good long-term data, <clears throat> which is important. Those are things you want to know. But this is a more involved procedure. And so this is where I feel like it's important to have a really skilled surgeon because you don't want somebody who just learned how to do this over the weekend. Right. Um, And so if you have a really good surgeon, you should be asking questions like, where did you learn how to do this? How many procedures have you had? Uh A lot of surgeons um, go through fellowship for this. So they get extra education to know how to do this. Okay. Um, So this then they take... They separate the largest portion of your stomach from a small pouch they create, which is about the size of an egg. And then they disconnect or reroute um, the intestine and bring it up to that small pouch. But then they also reattach that stomach that we disconnected Uh back lower down to the intestine. So you're still getting all those juices and enzymes and Uh things to, to break down. But you're skipping part of the intestine where you normally would be absorbing. So there you're not absorbing like you used to. So that is partially how this procedure works. So less calories are being absorbed. But also, too, the, the volume is smaller, but yet you're still full. So you've got this smaller space, smaller volumes of food, but you feel very satisfied. Plus, this also alters the gut um, hormones. Now, I believe that there's still undiscovered hormones that play a part of this, but many we have. Um, and so we have kind of, reset these or shut down the overaction 
that's happening with some of these hunger hormones. So there's lots of different ways that this can can help you. Um, you know, basically cut calorie intake, kind of tap into our fat stores for energy, and and get you to that goal weight, which is what we want to do. But it typically takes 12 to 18 months to get you to that goal weight. And we usually say with these procedures, whatever your excess starting weight is, you'll lose about 60 to 80 percent of that. But people exceed that, and, and that's yeah. Totally possible, but right. generally we see 60 to 80% of that excess weight lost. So is this one that you would say patients are most successful with? Yes, um, it's the one I've seen the most, um, mm-hmm. but we also have another procedure after this called the duodenal switch, Okay, and it's fairly new and um, a little more, um, it has more malabsorption. So if you think of kind of, the combination of the sleeve put together with the bypass, you have the banana-shaped pouch, Mm -hmm. but rerouting of the intestine, but at a greater distance. Um, So there's more malabsorption, more gut is bypassed. So if this is more appropriate, say, for um, greater weight loss, if you have, you know, morbid obesity, Mm -hmm. this is going to work better. Plus there are some patients that need need to be on um, steroids or NSAIDs for a lifetime, mm-hmm. and you can't take those with the bypass. Is that for arthritis or right. yeah, okay. Yes, and so if you already know you're probably going to need those indefinitely or on and off throughout the rest of your life, this would be the preferred procedure. Okay. Um, so um, with all of that being said, bypass and switch, even the sleep, you know, we're decreasing the amount of food we're putting in. Um, with the two latter, we are having malabsorption. You've got to make sure that you are hitting certain nutrient goals and taking certain vitamins and minerals. And so that's where it's really important to be compliant. Okay, so let's walk through that. So you work? Do you work directly for the surgeon? Is he in the office? Yes, um, I'm in a satellite facility. But yes, the we have a group of surgeons um, that I mentioned earlier are fellowship trained with bariatric procedures. Um, they also have designated um, medical facilities that they use that have, you know, dedicated teams that they work with only um, so that, you know, there's hardly any talking that has to be done during those procedures. They just know every move to make, and that makes it quicker, which is important when you're having a procedure. You don't want to be, you know, on anesthesia any longer than you have to. So mm-hmm. it's really it's a really important thing to ask questions when you're looking for a good surgeon so that you know that you've got the best. Because it's not a requirement for them to have any sort no. of like specialty no. training. or Because I remember whenever I worked at my other hospital, there would be patients that went to, just down to Mexico yes. or wherever right. and just got a gastric bypass. And, right. you know, there were patients that were admitted mm-hmm. because they came back to the States mm-hmm. and one of them like went to Macaroni Grill or something right. like that. And then she was admitted into the hospital. Yes. She had no education. She just right. went down there and had this procedure and came back. So the danger of that, yes, is you don't have education or follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, follow-up is key education Mm -hmm. is key but also too and I I have no you know direct knowledge of the kind of education any doctor in any other country has to have but I have seen patients post-operatively from these other places that didn't even have anything that looked like what the procedure they had done that's so scary yeah so I would not I would not play around with it you you only want the best right right and I know a lot of people they also think this is a quick fix, like, mm-hmm. oh, if I can just have surgery. Yes. They don't realize, right. you know, the, I guess, the lifetime, the ramifications that come along with 
yes. the post-op. So kind of walk us through, I guess, like pre-qualification, because I know they mm-hmm. have to have like a psyche valve, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what they do. So do they see a psychologist first and then they see you? Do they mm-hmm. have to have failed at weight loss or a weight mm-hmm. loss program? Mm-hmm. Walk us through that and then we can talk about follow-up. Good. So with the sleep procedure, gastric bypass, and the duodenal switch, um, insurance will pay for these. That's awesome. Yeah. Like all insurance companies? or most, most, not all. No. Not they just all. have certain <clears throat> qualifications, right? Yes. Okay. And so if your insurance um, company covers it, then they'll have their own criteria. Basically, you have to have a BMI, usually 35 or more, mm-hmm. with um, other diagnoses such as diabetes or kidney disease. So some sort of comorbidity. Yes. Okay. Um, or a BMI of over 40. And then you don't necessarily need any of those. Okay. Does <laughs> hypertension qualify? That's where it's going to vary between insurances. Okay. Sleep apnea and some other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that, that's the first thing you need to kind of recognize is what your BMI is. Do you know if Medicare covers it? Medicare does. Medicaid? Mm-hmm. Yes. They do? Mm-hmm. Do they pay for all the other, like, do they pay for you? Do you know that? All of these... Um, insurance companies are going to require all this nutritional education, okay. and none of them usually pay for it. What? Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so if you have a good program, they'll usually have some of these costs built in okay. so that you're paying it either up front right. or um, kind of at a discounted rate. Mm-hmm. So they'll, that's how they figure it out. But that's, again, where it's really important to have a program versus just you have the surgery and you walk away. Right. Yeah. So they will pretend that the surgery costs ten, $10, mm-hmm. but because the insurance company doesn't pay for the dietitian, they might charge $15 yes. for the surgery. Yes, absolutely. Or, okay. um, you know, some programs will say, you know, when you sign up today, you're going to pay this fee and, and part of that fee is going toward the dietitian. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you need to have a dietitian, but we certainly won't yeah. pay for it. No. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. So well. then at that point, you are given kind of your guidelines per insurance. Usually it's somewhere between three and six months of pre-op education. So you're looking at monthly visits for three to six months before you even have the procedure. Wow. Which I feel is very important. Yeah. Because you yeah. do get some patients that walk in thinking it's going to be a breeze. They just have the surgery, and then they can yeah. go back and eat how they were eating before, exactly. and that the weight will just fall off. Right. Yeah. Um, so we give, you know, again, I've been in different programs that are very streamlined and some that aren't, uh, but really, you want to give your patient as much information as possible so they will be successful. Obviously, that's going to make you look better as a program. Right. right. Um, so uh, they meet with typically... The surgeon or an APN, mm-hmm. they meet with the dietitian. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then, yes, there are some other criteria if they need any kind of clearance, like cardiac clearance. And then psychology is definitely part of it. They need to usually have a psych evaluation before the surgery. And so with that psych evaluation, like what are some just automatic, you don't qualify, like schizophrenia, bipolar? I would think so. Um, yeah. I've never gone into that part of it. Okay. Um, and honestly... Um, I don't hear much about people being denied, but it happens. Right. Um, so I think too, it's really good to have a quality, um, you know, psych evaluation. I think that you can even do some online if you need to. Right. Um, but you know, food is a pretty 
weird thing for some people. And if you're not ready to kind of modify your food intake, that can be very emotional. Right. So right. we do also have like contract um, employees that if we kind of recognize some of these things with our patients, we can certainly refer them to have one-on-one, you know, counseling with somebody that is detailed about food and, you know, mm-hmm. your psych health. So. Yeah. And there's support groups and stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. Like post-op. Um, I think I taught a class at one. It wasn't a class. Yes. It was obviously I don't know enough, but it was something like at a local library, yes. like with the support groups. I think that's awesome. Right. Too. A good program will have a support group and they usually will invite pre and post op patients and their families. Mm-hmm. The more involved everybody is, the better it usually goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with these patients, I mean, what, what kind of questions are they asking? Like, yes. what do they want to know? Like, can I eat fast food again? Or, right. you know, will I ever be able to eat wedding cake again? Wedding cake? Yeah, like, I love to eat my own wedding cake. And what do you tell them? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. This is not to say that you can never have anything ever again. That's not it. We just need to kind of reprioritize. And of course. volume, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, so we get pretty specific. Like, you know, for example, if you eat too much sugar or too mm-hmm. much fat with these procedures, you will probably feel bad. Mm-hmm. So we just need to know what those levels are. Mm-hmm. So that when it is your wedding day, you can enjoy that and... And, you know, not and move on. And by the time patients usually get through the process in there, they're like, I don't even know why I was worried about that. Yeah. You know, it's not even about the wedding cake. Then, right. You know? Right. So. They're going to be on the dance floor because they're going to yeah. be looking so good. Yeah. Feeling, feeling so great. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, on their first visit, it's usually pretty long and intense, and they usually feel overwhelmed. You get a lot of tears. Sometimes. I have a box of tissue in my office. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, such an emotional thing, you know. Absolutely. But, um, again, I think that's why it's beneficial to have some months to work through that mm-hmm. and really learn what it's going to look like. And it's some things you just can't learn until you're there. Right. Like if I suggest that you're going to need to eat slowly, you're going to need to take small bites. If they don't do that, it usually doesn't feel well. And they're like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. You really right. were telling me the truth. And so mm-hmm. there's lots that we talk about. We talk... Let's say in particular with the bypass um, and with the switch procedure, you need certain amounts of protein every day. And so we talk about, you know, what your protein foods are, what volumes you need, how to start tracking that to learn, you know, what is the protein? How do I get this amount in every day? Um, We talk about protein supplements, which is certainly part of the process, but not the long-term goal, just kind of used as needed. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you have your patients track? Do they use an app or mm-hmm. do they just journal? Sure. All, Either. All is acceptable. I have all levels of electronic acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, today's um, food diary apps are endless. Right. And I just suggest right. you download every one of them and try them all. See mm-hmm. which one you like the best. Mm-hmm. There's even some that are made for bariatric patients. So... The thing is just to find one that you're comfortable with and that you will use. Um, nothing wrong with good old pen and paper. Right. You just have to learn then how to track that. Right. So we talk about that. Um, we talk about um, non-starchy vegetables, which is, you know, important. We can't skip those. Then we talk about carbs. A lot of times people think they're never going to eat carbohydrates again, and that's not true at all. We just want to learn, you know, what carbs are, what volumes are appropriate, where they kind of fit into this you know, what piece of the puzzle they are. Um, so that's kind of a short picture. We also talk about the mindful eating, which we mentioned, mm-hmm. which is the eating slowly, chewing thoroughly. 
really paying attention to how you feel. Mm -hmm. Knowing when you're full versus too full is the big learning process for a lot of people. But it very quickly teaches you after surgery, if you eat usually just one more bite beyond fullness, it's really uncomfortable. Is it, so I guess on the more minor side, would it be diarrhea, possibly vomiting? What if it was extreme? I mean, what's kind of like worst case scenario? Right. So the worst case scenario is you're going to have nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, Mm -hmm. which that's not fun. Right. Um, But typically, you know, if you stop before that point, it's just very uncomfortable. I mean, everybody's overeating at some point. Right. And you're just looking at that. That yeah. may be even magnified. Because the volume is so low. So yes. it literally can just much, be one bite. Yeah, much smaller space um, to accommodate food. Do you and, ever see like a post-op pancreatitis situation if somebody... That could happen. Yeah. Um, gallbladder is something we see more often. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you have rapid weight loss, you could have some gallstones. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't happen always either. Right. Um, so... The good thing about a quality program is they're going to have frequent follow-up and monitoring of all those labs. And so if things look like they're not where they need to be, they start taking steps to correct it. So you talked about protein supplementation. Is there a certain type of protein that you recommend? Yes. Um, After you have surgery, remember we're we're having malabsorption. Right. And so we want to use the highest quality, quickest absorbed proteins. And that's usually in the form of a whey protein isolate, which is usually in the form of a powder, which Mm -hmm. is usually, it gets some frowny faces on that. Oh, yeah. Everybody's in such a hurry. They just want to reach for the pre-mixed. Right. But those are generally not whey protein isolate. Mm -hmm. And so I usually just try to help them visualize it by, you know, pre-mixed have really large proteins where the whey protein isolate is really small. Mm -hmm. The large ones just take longer and we have less time and the short ones are absorbed Mm -hmm. And so we only, you know, we want to utilize, you know, your money to the best of its ability. Let's use the highest quality. Right. And so then we just talk about ways to mix them, you know, blender, mixer Uh model. Do you ever run into vegan or vegetarian that won't do? Rarely. Yeah. And you can use unsweetened almond or soy milk. Right. But rarely do I see strict vegans. Yeah. This would be very hard to do. It'd be very hard to be that overweight. I mean, is that mm-hmm. naive to say? Like, if you're possible. Vegan? Very possible. I mean, you could eat candy bars all day, I guess. Right. <laughs> but I just think of something that eats like a ton of fruits sure. and vegetables. But here's something that I see maybe they've not always been a vegan, but now they want to be. Because they're trying to lose weight probably right. and get healthy. And yeah. so, you know, if you're going to be a strict vegan, it's going to be a much harder process. Mm-hmm. possible to have protein powders that are um, vegan. But you mm-hmm. have to take some additional supplements like methionine because it's not necessarily in pea protein. And so it's possible. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to be really dedicated and focused. Right. Um, so it's, it's a possibility. So post-op, um, walk through that, like the, the phases, like clear liquids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all that. Every surgeon's different mm-hmm. on this. So that's where you want to be in touch with, you know, your office. They should give you clear details, usually for the where I work currently. You'll have about one week of pre-op where you do like two shakes a day, one sensible meal, and then 24 hours before, maybe some clear liquids. And then for the two weeks post-op, you're on protein shakes. After that, we're reintroducing soft proteins. We skipped pureed completely. But again, every doctor is going to be a little bit different. Right. You may see clear liquids, full liquids, pureed, um, but I've seen it uh, work just fine Mm -hmm. as long as... We talked to him, you know, you're going to have this kind of this overlap where, yes, we've reintroduced soft lean proteins, but you're not going to tolerate enough immediately to meet your needs. So we're still going to use the protein supplements mm-hmm. um, and, until we don't need them anymore. That's mm-hmm. what they're there for. 
and everybody kind of progresses differently, but we're working toward, you know, the three ounces of lean protein at every meal. Mm -hmm. So basically the first three months is soft lean protein. And then Mm -hmm. if you have any room, a few bites of those non-starchy vegetables that are really soft cooked field. So when you say soft, like chicken, are they like mm-hmm. throwing it in a blender? Or? Shouldn't have to, no. as long as okay. it's soft. Okay. Um, I've heard some dietitians say, you know, if you could cut it with a plastic fork, that's soft enough. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know if I've had chicken that soft. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get really creative with mm-hmm. prep, you know. So maybe yeah. think of like Instapot, Crock-Pot. Okay. Um, Where it's kind of falling chicken. off the bone. Yeah, pouches of tuna. Really, mm-hmm. really soft. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's the goal. And then beyond that, I mean, mm-hmm. are they ever eating more than three ounces of protein at a time? Or is that like the end goal? Three to four ounces. <clears throat> and some patients say, but I can eat seven ounces. Mm-hmm. And so I'll take them back to remember when we talked about, and a lot of times they don't, but remember when we talked about how you utilize protein. Mm-hmm. You only utilize so much at a time. Mm-hmm. So even if you can eat, I always pull, I always remember that like 72-ounce steak in Amarillo, Texas. You remember this Oh, sign? yeah, like the big sign. <laughs> and it's just, oh, uh, and it's right. like you get a T-shirt or yeah, like a steak yeah. for free or something right. like that. So, you know, once you get past maybe that six ounces, the rest of that is not really probably going to be utilized for a protein source. Mm-hmm. It just becomes extra calories. Right. So we've got to use that information for what we're doing. So three or four ounces is usually all we need per meal to help us reach our long, our daily total. Mm-hmm. So three or four ounces, then we kind of hit the brakes on protein. Mm-hmm. Then we move over to the non-starchy vegetables because, again, these are going to help you feel full. Mm-hmm. They help us control calories. And then the long-term picture, eventually you'll be able to even have a small amount of carbohydrates at the end of a meal. But that's usually where carbs will be present only, mealtime. No snacking okay. and carbs. Okay. That just doesn't work very well. Because the same thing kind of goes back to how we utilize carbohydrates. Our bodies are super efficient. Yeah. At breaking down and absorbing carbs quickly. Right. And that's where you think uh, they would just have to have so much discipline. Because just because they had this procedure, uh-huh. it doesn't mean they're not going to have those same cravings. You got it. Right? So anybody that tells a bariatric patient they took the easy way out, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Because it's not easy. Yeah. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of non-compliant people. That's right. with everything. Yeah. But, yes, you've got to be very organized, planned. <clears throat> you need to know what your mm-hmm. proteins are, what your mm-hmm. non-starchy vegetables are, what your carbs are. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear all the time, what do you mean beans are, are my proteins? And, like, they have some protein, but we're mm-hmm. going to put them in this category because right. they have more carbohydrate. Um, so, yes, but a lot of times, too, you want to think about after surgery, cravings are usually gone. Yeah. Hunger takes a long time before it makes its reappearance. Some people maybe still crave like chocolate, but a lot of people are like, I never want to drink a soda again. It sounds really? disgusting. Wow. You have this shift of taste. And mm-hmm. and those hormones, you think? All like those things are changing, and it's kind yeah. of like a reset to the system. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so why carbohydrates at the end? Is it because protein is the most important? Yes. Okay. Because if we're not starting with protein, making that gold med every day is probably mm-hmm. going to be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be a long time, and that's the only thing we have room for. Mm-hmm. But we remember, remember, we're covering our bases on these other things because we're taking vitamins and minerals. Like the B vitamins and all that. Right. Yeah. And we've got fat stores that we're using for all of those other things. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but two, the purpose of that order long term is that if you're eating slowly, chewing thoroughly, you know, putting your fork down in between bites, by the time you get through three or four ounces of protein, non-starchy vegetables, you're getting pretty full right and that's just going to help you control carb volume because Mm -hmm. carbs aren't the enemy it's just typically we try to eat too many that we don't Mm -hmm. need 
So it just helps you kind of control carb that way. Right. So, the, like, can they ever eat pasta? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All the pasta lovers are like, hang on yeah. a minute. No. Absolutely. Now, I can tell you that sometimes, um, you know, regular pasta, regular rice, sometimes those don't just sit well, just mm-hmm. because they are so filling, maybe bloating. But some people do fine. Of course, yeah. we'll recommend high-fiber versions of all of those. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, th- again, to say that you would never be able to eat any of those things, it's not, not true. So, eventually, all foods can kind of fit. It's mm-hmm. just in, in a much smaller yes. amount. Yes, and where they go. And, right. And we also really encourage, again, that eating in order. And so, mm-hmm. that gets a little complicated sometimes when you have combination foods. Mm-hmm. But you can still enjoy it. Again, that overwhelming need or craving, it's a lot of times it's gone. Mm-hmm. And what about liquids with meals? Do they have to drink between meals? Right, yes. Um, gulping fluids doesn't go very well. Right. Again, just too much in that space at a time. So sipping all day long is important. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to drink while you're eating because that doesn't usually feel good either. Mm-hmm. Plus, we want that food to sit there as long as it can. And then the more liquid that's with the food, it just leaves that pouch quicker. It's just like liquid. And so it's like liquids, a slip and slide. Yeah. <laughs> liquids just don't hang out as long. But yeah. food will, will, you know, keep you full for, you know, four hours. Right. So right. we have a um, no drinking with meal and usually waiting 30 minutes or so after. I don't, am I crazy or is there something with a straw? No, you're not crazy. Okay. That's a real thing. <laughs> okay. Anytime you drink with a straw, you swallow air. Um, which is usually not a problem for us now. We can, you know, burp it up or it'll kind of, mm-hmm. it'll go away. Uh, but after surgery, again, you have such a small space that any type of air in that space is usually going to be very uncomfortable. Um, but typically, um, three months or so after surgery, they can start to reintroduce that. And as long as they tolerate it, fine, no problem. Some patients never do. It just doesn't feel mm-hmm. well. But most people do fine. But the same thing goes for carbonation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recommend no carbonation after surgery ever. What about just caffeine in general? Can they do coffee or tea? Mm-hmm. That's also something we keep controlled. You'll have about three months post-operatively without any, mm-hmm. and then we, we bring it back in small volumes about eight ounces a day. I think I would, I just wouldn't qualify by that all <laughs> Like, I don't know how I could not do coffee in the morning. I know. And you know, I've had patients, like, we'll get to that three-month mark, and we're like, great news, you can have eight ounces of caffeine. And they don't even want it then. Yeah. I don't know, I've done just fine without it. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, what about, um, what kind of supplements are they on? You said a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So let's say sleeve or gastric bypass, you're going to need a bariatric multivitamin, uh-huh. typically with iron in it, and then a separate calcium. Uh-huh. The thing we always usually recommend is remember iron and calcium don't go well together, so we separate those. Right. Um, and the hardest part about the vitamins and minerals is you just can't take it all together for one time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you'll have probably two doses of multivitamin and then maybe two or three doses of calcium. Again, those are all separate doses, though, mm-hmm. by a few hours. And then in their follow-ups, are you guys checking labs and monitoring all those levels? And Absolutely. Stuff? Closely monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, so every surgeon's different, but yes, it, it's certain follow-up intervals, there's certain nutrients they're looking at. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and those are the certain things that may not be looked at by PCPs, and so I always tell people, don't think that your PCP is looking at all this. They're probably right. not. Yeah. And so that's what's really key to follow up with your surgeon. What do you find is the most commonly deficient vitamin or mineral? You know, these are things that I don't see. I don't okay. see it very often. Now, I can tell you that, which we didn't mention a while ago, the duodenal switch, how we're rerouting, it affects more of the fat-soluble vitamins, so they need a separate bariatric vitamin that's higher 
inside A, D, E, and K. Okay. Um, but again, that's where it's key to know what procedure you had. And, and the key is using bariatric vitamins. Mm-hmm. And they exist. They've been studied, tested. We know they work. Can you get them like on Amazon or Walmart or are there a special place you have to order? There are usually websites and usually your surgeon's office will carry high quality bariatric um, vitamins. Um, But uh, if patients are kind of cruising along, maybe not following up and they switch off, I ran out, switch back to over the counter. That's not okay. Right. You've got to stay on bariatric vitamins for life. Forever. And that's what I tell them. This is not uh-huh. just because you need to budget for this every single month. Because I'm assuming they're more expensive. Not necessarily. No. They're not terribly expensive. Okay. Um, it's just I don't think they understand Yeah. Um, the malabsorption difference. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a few higher doses, say, of thiamine or B12. Some of those things, you know, we kind of mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, but uh, sometimes, like the ADEKs, I'll see a little bit low. But it's very simply solved with, mm-hmm. we can take maybe an additional vitamin A. But then I'll say, hey, let's try dry vitamin A, which is absorbed better. Because a lot of times, say, over-the-counter versions of those are an oil-based. And again, we're not absorbing those as well. Mm-hmm. So there's options for all of those. But really, these companies have done such a good job with these supplements that it's very rare that I see a deficiency unless you're not being compliant. Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, so I want to end with this, and you might have to think for a minute, but I want to know, like, the craziest patient. I want to hear a story. The craziest Yeah. Ever. Or, like, like, the craziest question, mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. just someone, I don't know, just something funny or whatever. Okay. okay. Think of a story. One of the most recent things that stands out is I had a patient tell me that he threw away a stove. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to kind of stop myself from having that same reaction. Like, no how, way. How do you keep a straight face for that? I was like, you threw away your stove. And his wife tried to, she's like, yes, we did. Because it was it was bad? or they oh. were not, They couldn't prepare anything healthy on it. And so, <laughs> well, so I said, well, so what are you doing? And they said, we're grilling. I said, okay. So we kind of walked through, yes, you can mm-hmm. certainly make things healthy on the grill. But I went through all of the healthy you know, prep ideas that you could use a stove for. Yeah. Cooktop, oven. But he was like, nope. Nope. Removed it from the house. <laughs> well, I wonder where he took it. I don't know. And, you know, maybe it was just too much for him. Yeah. And he had some sort of relationship. Had bad juju. Foods that he wanted, <laughs> shouldn't have. But that was first. I'd never heard that one in yeah. a really dramatic um, yeah. turn of events. He, he was ready, it sounds like, <laughs> to make some life changes. Yes, I just hope maybe in the future they could reincorporate it. Right. Lots to do with the oven that could still yeah. be healthy. Maybe when he meets his goal weight, he can reward himself yeah. with the stove. Yes. That's awesome. Well, Gina, thanks so much for being on. I mean, I learned a lot. I hope our listeners did as well. Thank you. It's something that it's such a, um, you know, a specific area of nutrition, and I know you know, if you're working in acute care or maybe doing some outpatient, you might get to tap into it a little bit. But I thought it would be good to have somebody on that was just an expert, Thank as you, you are. So, guys, thanks for listening. And if you want continuing education units, this will be worth one credit. So just go to jessicaergens.com. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-I-R-G-E-N-S. Click the podcast link, and it will take you to a quiz. I promise to make it simple, five questions or less. And um, at the end of your quiz, you will um, pay. At the cost is only $10. And then I will shoot you your CEU, your certificate. So, again, thanks, Gina. I hope you – that was painless, right? Thank you, yes. <laughs> okay. Y'all have a good rest of the day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>